Hi everyone, welcome to Finding Answers. This is Uttam Gupta, your host for the show. The goal with this show is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you get answers to all your questions regarding life, career and business so that we together can learn and grow every single day. While listening throughout this podcast, if you learn something or hear something that you feel is interesting and thought-provoking, then I encourage you to take note of it and share it on your social media and tag me and this podcast. So today's guest is a very special guy. He's a Forbes featured keynote TEDx speaker, host of a global top 100 podcast, a best-selling author and a mental health coach and expert. In his early teenage he struggled with various mental health issues social anxiety and being a first generation immigrant he experienced poverty after overcoming all these challenges he has now dedicated his life to make an impact in the industry of mental health and wellness he has been featured on over 250 plus podcasts and on media houses like Forbes Mind Valley Inc magazine HuffPost Fearless Motivation Spartan and many other His podcast and videos have been viewed over 50 plus million times and his podcast has hit the top charts in the world with Tim Ferriss, Lewis House and Gary Vaynerchuk. So please help me in welcoming my friend Mark Metry. Hi Mark, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming to my podcast. I'm super excited for this conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing well man and thank you for inviting me and and you know it's been great to see you grow you know over the years and um and I'm really grateful that you you know you're having me on at the beginning of your podcast and and uh you know I even helped you a little bit with the podcast and so it's an honor and I can't wait to see where this is going to go you know like 3 years from now Absolutely like you have been a great inspiration for me so to start this uh, conversation firstly I want to know that your story which led you to find answers about the things that you are doing right now so can you tell us a little bit about your story yeah so um so yeah so my parents they they're from egypt and uh, a year before i was born in 1996 they came to america and they came to america and they lived on the east coast in massachusetts in the state called massachusetts and uh you know they came to america with like $200 um and so i i remember just like growing up and living in america but also like sleeping on the mattress on the floor um and and yeah i mean i remember just having a good childhood for me when i was uh when i was about second third grade when i was about like 7 8 9 years old my family and i we moved from the inner city which is like a lot of people Uh, more city there's a lot of different kinds of people and we moved into a small town and this this is like a small american industrial town that had like 5000 people in it and at this time in america this was post 911 the terrorist attack that happened in new york city and that was by like arabs and middle easterns and so in america at that time there was a huge amount of racism for middle easterns for arabs if you were like that then you got destroyed and so i was like a little kid and i moved to a new school and i'm in this small town and there's no racial diversity everybody there is american everybody there is white everybody there is rich and i'm poor and i'm not white and all of a sudden i start to face racism and bullying and abuse for the first time in my life 
basically what this did was after that, for the next 10 years, I would say that I lived in a prison in my own mind where I had so much social anxiety that I just became that kid who never talked, who didn't have any friends, who didn't play any sports, wasn't involved in any clubs activities. And so, yeah, I became the kid who was just shy, introverted, had no friends. I got bad grades in school. Um, I, that was just my life. And it wasn't until I was about 18 years old where I go off to college, I go off to university. And what happened was a few different things. Um, that was the time in my life where I actually discovered like what anxiety is, what mental health is. Uh, previously up to that moment, everybody just called me like the shy kid or the quiet kid. And it turns out that that's actually social anxiety, which is like this issue that happens when you are in a pattern for over 10 years in your life where your brain then begins to make like literal structural changes that no matter where you go, no matter who you're talking to, you're always shy. You're always quiet. You feel like you can never be yourself. And so when I was in college and I was 18, I discovered that. I discovered that was a real thing. And so what I started to do was I started to just try to talk to people, right? I tried to, um, you know, try to expose myself to the fear. But what happened was it actually made things worse because I would try to talk to people and then I would, and then my brain would just shut me down and it would hold me back. And it felt like I was, I was trapped. I couldn't do anything. And so that was the time in my life where I would say I became seriously like depressed for the first time in my life. I couldn't really get out of bed in the morning. I couldn't go to sleep at night. Um, next thing I knew I was obese. I was over like 200 pounds and my social anxiety that I had my entire life turned into social isolation, you know? And so different friends of mine, my family, they would try to text me and I just wouldn't respond to anybody. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, and I would just like be in my own head. And next thing I knew, uh, I was actually, I actually became suicidal where I just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to sleep. And the next thing I know, my brain was just like, okay, this is too much pain. We have to end life. We have to go away. It's like the weirdest thing to talk about now. Um, so I was suicidal for about like three, four weeks in 2015, like, you know, a while back. And, you know, it's, it's a long story, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things, but basically, you know, I was able to climb out of that. And ever since that day, when I was 18 and I hit this level of rock bottom where I just felt like I broke Ever since that day, I've like been committing myself every single day to do what it takes to learn more about mental health, to learn more about health, to learn more about my brain. How do you, how do I rewire my brain? How do I get physically healthy? How do I get spiritually healthy? And, you know, I just want to say real quick, it's interesting because even before at that time, I was already a successful entrepreneur. By the time I was 16, 17, I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars through online. Um, you know, I had, I had started different online businesses and whatnot, and, and a, a few of them had taken off. And so I was already successful at that time. I was already making money. And so it was actually really confusing for me because I had all this success on paper, but then I was 
still socially anxious. I still felt like a loser. And when I was 18, I really just like hit this breaking point where I was like, dude, I, ha I have to change everything I'm doing because clearly what I'm doing is not working. And if I keep moving in this way, life is going to get so much worse for me. And so ever since then, I've been on like this crazy journey. I've been on my own like self-development journey. I ended up starting a podcast, interviewing hundreds of people, meeting Jay Shetty in New York City, starting different business, doing writing a book, all these different kinds of things. Um, and so, yeah, man. And, and, and that's, that's my story. <laughs> that's a crazy story. Like, like it is literally a story which, which whenever you tell, I, I can actually sense that you uh, get goosebumps because you went from being suicidal to someone like who is changing lives now. So it has been a crazy <laughs> journey. And the point that you were telling that you were very successful at that time, but still you were struggling with the challenges. And I feel that is the challenge with every person today, uh, in, uh, actually the young people who are able to get what they want, but still not able to feel happy. They are still not able to sleep. They are still uh, feeling lonely and they are not able to understand what is the reason. So now with that being said, I want to first uh, understand from you a brief uh, thing about what exactly is social anxiety and mental health challenges. How do they look like? Because what happens is most of the time when we are young, we are going through these challenges, but we don't realize that they are the challenges. We are not able to identify they are the problems. And we think that is that they are something that is in our personality and this is something wrong with us. So we don't, we are not able to identify the problem. So I want yeah. you to tell what exactly how it looks like so that it becomes easier to identify the problem and find a solution and work on it. Yeah, that's a great, great, great question. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that's huge, right? And like part of the reason why when I was younger, why I didn't do anything about this was because this, I just thought that this is the way that life was. Like I just opened my eyes and then just whatever happened would just be my experience of life. And I just thought that anxiety was just life. And it wasn't until I started to learn how to use my mind and my brain where I started to experience what it was like to not have anxiety. And, and, and like, that is the biggest, you know, if you're talking about success, like that's the biggest level of success because like I've been in, in spots where I, you know, have had more money than I knew what to do with, but yet I'm not comfortable inside of my own skin. I'm depressed for the day. I can't even be myself. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and so in terms of you know, social anxiety and mental health. So this is the way that I think about it. Okay. So forgive my example, but let's say like, okay, let me rewind. So I had this, I had this neuroscientist on my show. His name is Dr. Rick Hansen. And basically what he said was the more control that humans get over the physical environment as in like, wow, we can create buildings. Wow. We can travel and go to this place. The less and less that we have to use our minds. Okay. And then the opposite is also true. So if you think back to like, you know, people that lived a long time ago or like, I don't know, like in some village in India, for example, they don't have that much access to change their external environment. And so they take more ownership over their mind's environment. 
And so like what's happened over a course of thousands or hundreds of years, not even thousands, hundreds of years, is that the richer that we have become, the less that we are in control of our minds. And what's interesting is that I don't want to say the poorer, but the, the most basic level where you don't have control over your mind and it's just you alone in the forest, that's where you do have more control of your mind. And so like what's happened is that was like a lot of our parents, right? Or maybe our grandparents. And now what's happened is like our grandparents and our parents, they want us to be successful, right? Because maybe for them, they have control over their minds, but they have no money, right? They have control over their minds. They're, they have great emotions, but it's like they can't travel to, to America, right? And so as a result, parents uh, and, and grandparents and really the past generations, they have pushed all of us young people to study hard and go to college and get great jobs. And the reason why is because they want us to be materially successful because they didn't have that. But they had a level of success that we don't have because nobody taught us because our parents were too busy working or we were too busy studying. Nobody taught us these things. Right. And so it's sort of like this, this disconnect that like we need to now figure out, like, how do we get back in that state of equilibrium? Right. Right. Um, Okay. And so how do you, okay. So your other question was, how do you know if you have social anxiety? So, so this is what I would say. So it's one thing to be shy, you know, being shy is a natural human emotion. If you're doing something new for the first time, you're talking to somebody new for the first time, it's, it's totally okay to get shy. That's natural. And when it comes to like being an introvert, I know that word is thrown around a lot. Um, What being an introvert actually means is that the psychology of your brain is naturally inclined to be more introspective, to focus more on your internal world, and you get energy from that. There's nothing about being an introvert that means that you're shy or you're nervous to talk to people. You could be an introvert who just likes their quiet, that just likes their solitude time, but you can express yourself freely. You're not afraid of people, okay? Now, social anxiety is like, it it has to do with a combination of factors, okay? It has to do with partly your genetics, your brain type. It has to do with your parents, your family history. It has to do with um, early childhood experiences, right? So what I talked about of like when I was a kid and I moved to an environment where nobody looked like me and I faced racism for years, that's an example of what can create social anxiety, Um uh, your biochemistry, having different health issues. So for example, a lot of the times people with social anxiety or any kind of anxiety issue, they often have some kind of um, uh, gastrointestinal or some sort of a stomach problem because your gut microbiome is connected to your brain, which we can talk about more if you want. But basically what happens is like social anxiety, it becomes this algorithm, okay? It becomes like this AI, this virus, that gets installed into your brain. And this basically gets you to start thinking that no matter where you are, people are going to be judging you no matter what you do. And so basically what this looks like is like you walk into a classroom, you walk into a meeting and then, you know, you open the door and then, you know, you you see a group of people and then maybe they look at you and then your brain's first reaction is you look down because then you're afraid. And then, 
you're looking down and then your brain is trying to guess what other people are thinking about you and how they're judging you. And then you sit down and then um, you get shy, you get nervous, you're overly self-conscious, you're embarrassed, you're shameful. And then what begins to happen is then your heartbeat starts to race fast. Your throat starts to clench so that maybe if you talk, you end up stuttering or you mumble or you speak quietly. And so the, the, the really terrible part about this is that it's an algorithm. So it starts to run automatically. And so what happens is, you go somewhere, right? And let's say you don't even have socially anxious thoughts. You don't even feel social anxiety. But what happens is you walk into a room and then now your body, because it's created this feedback loop for years, now your body is automatically freaking out. Now you have your heartbeat racing. Maybe you start to sweat. Maybe your throat starts to tighten up. You start tapping your legs. And then what happens is then your body then triggers your mind to then start this socially anxious, toxic cycle. And so really what ends up happening is like, it's almost like it's an algorithm that like removes somebody's free will. And what happens is, is that happens for so long, then you're like, wow, I'm a shy person. And you think then that's you and your personality. When in reality, it's just like a virus has hijacked you. It's hijacked your computer, right? And so I don't know if this makes sense or not. But does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense because my next question actually was what is happening on a psychological level? And you already explained that. Because once we understand that it is not something uh, superficial, it's something that is happening on a psychological level. It's that it's when we try to solve it. It's when we see that it can be solved. It's not something that we cannot do anything about. Yeah. My next question is when you said it's like an algorithm it, it it's uh, continues as a loop so how yeah. can anyone stop that because when we are going through that a lot of conversation is happening inside us <laughs> like that we are not able to stop it's like continuously going whether you are going to sleep whether you are around people you are continuously talk, talking inside your head so how do yeah. we stop that conversation how do we break that loop of algorithm yeah. So there's many things that I, you know, I could, I could say that are like, you know, different, uh, like, you know, tips and mini habits, um, of like what to do when you're there. But this is the, like, this is the way that people should think about it. If you really have social anxiety, the best way to approach it is you cannot use your mind. Yeah. And, and, and what I mean by that is this, like your mind knows you better than you know yourself. And your mind has been running this algorithm mm-hmm. for 10 years, five years, 20 years, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So odds are your mind is past the point mm-hmm. of you just like focusing, right? Because, because here's the thing, like, I remember when I would have this issue or like when I would talk about it with people, they would just tell me like the dumbest advice. They'd tell me like, oh, just speak louder or, oh, just don't be afraid or like, oh, just focus. Well, it's like this. The reality is that if there's a virus, if there's an algorithm in your computer, it's going to stop certain functions from happening. And so what I recommend is you have to take the long-term approach and that's not using your mind. It's using your brain. Okay. And so what I mean is this, so our mind, we have a conscious mind. Okay. And then whatever the mind does a lot, our brain then builds the physical infrastructure 
in our minds to make it run easier. And so what I mean is like, our brains don't like to think. And so what they do is they create habit loops instead. Okay. And so, you know, your brain would rather activate a habit than for you to think a new thought. Okay. And so I'm saying that because basically when you look at the brain, there are a set of different neurotransmitters. Okay. And basically these neurotransmitters, uh, they act as like, like our physical brain organ. They are the infrastructure that then gives birth to certain kinds of functions and, and moods in our body. So for example, we have this thing called the GABA neurotransmitter. Okay. It's in our brain that is responsible for calming your mind and your body down. Okay. There are some people who will tell you, you know, if you want to be calm, just, just relax, just think about being calm. Okay. Um, that doesn't really work. Okay. And, and let's say that your neurotransmitter for GABA, let's say it's, it's dysfunctional. Uh, let's say it's inflamed due to, you know, you're not sleeping enough. You're not eating the right foods. Maybe you have a genetic problem. I don't know. And so what's going to happen is that because that person's neurotransmitter GABA is, has an issue, they're going to have an issue with then being calm. Okay. And so we have to look at our lives from two different perspectives, the software, which is like our mind and then our hardware, which is like our brain. Okay. And this is the thing. Imagine you have a computer, right? And imagine this is like a computer from 1995. Okay. It's like the first Apple MacBook that came out, right? It's very, very old soft hardware. Excuse me. Now imagine trying to install like the latest version of iOS, you know, 13 or whatever Apple just came out with, you know, you're going to be hitting that install button for a long time. Then your computer's going to be like, Oh, you don't have enough Ram. You don't have enough memory. Oh, this isn't compatible. And so I feel like that, like people with social anxiety and people with like long-term anxiety and even depression and these different issues, that's what they're tricked into thinking what they need to do. They just are using their mind. They're just trying to get calmer through their mind, but they're not addressing the hardware. And if you address the hardware, that's going to give you long-term results. Okay. And so I said all of that because it turns out that there is a neurotransmitter called serotonin and this serotonin it does a lot of different things but one of the things that it does is it actually regulates our behavior during social situations and during social interactions and so it's very known people with social anxiety they have some sort of dysfunction with this serotonin neurotransmitter for a wide variety of issues okay? okay and so we now know Science, you know, according to the latest, most credible scientific studies, um, like the Journal of Neuroscience says that there's four ways to change the structure of serotonin in your brain. Okay. And the four ways are uh, going outside in the sun. Okay. So a lot of people don't know this, but, um, you know, I had on, I had on this guy named Dr. Daniel Amen. And he's one of the top mental health doctors in America. He's actually Justin Bieber's mental health doctor. And he came on my show and he told me that the number one similarity that he's seen in every mental health problem is a lack of vitamin D. And that vitamin D primarily comes from the sun. And then it also comes from certain foods 
that are largely animal products, except for like mushrooms. And so that's number one, it's to get enough vitamin D sunlight. Number two is sleep. Sleep is so, so important. Uh, and exercise, like physically exercising your body is very important. Um, number three is your diet. Your diet is probably the most important out of all of these, because when you look at the structure of a neurotransmitter, it's made from these things called amino acids, okay? And amino acids are a kind of fatty acid and a kind of acid that's found in protein that you have to get from your diet, okay? And so, for example, um, you know, eating a diet uh, with uh, things like uh, uh, seafood, uh, vegetables, eating things like uh, eggs, even um, things like uh, certain kinds of like red meat, steak, beef liver, um, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, just eating a whole natural diet. That's how you do that. And the issue is, is that once you start to consume processed foods, things that have sugar, things that like a bag of chips, what happens is that actually drains the amino acids in your brain, which then actually leads you to having neurotransmitter dysfunction, but with all of the neurotransmitters. So I just mentioned too, serotonin, which is for social. It also controls your mood, GABA for calming. And there's all kinds, there's, there's one for focus, right? And so back then, like I could never focus on anything. I would sit there in the classroom. I would sit there in a room and I, I would never be able to control my mind. And for years, I just thought that I was stupid or I just thought that I was just, I lacked discipline. But it turns out that neuroepinephrine, which is the neurotransmitter of focus in my brain, that was lacking, okay? Um, and so let me rewind here, uh, the, the study about the four ways to increase serotonin. So I said, there's sunlight, there's sleep slash exercise, there's diet, which is probably the biggest one. And the last one is doing things like um, going to therapy, uh, journaling, meditation, um, mm. having deep conversations with your friends. Mm. All those things can slowly help to shift. But really the biggest one is your diet. That's the biggest thing that mm. can literally like over a short period of time, like two weeks, that can literally change the structure of your brain. So those are the four things that I recommend for people to do. And then once you do those, then we can start to work on the mind, mm. which is things like meditation, journaling. There's mm. things called exposure therapy. There's all sorts of things that I can talk about, but you have to address the body first. Right. Like, and the brain. To summarize, like to summarize and make it easy for everyone. So first you explain what is happening inside us on a psychological level, why we are going the solutions which you gave, why we are choosing those solutions, because it's uh, important to understand them uh, so that it does not feel like vague and superficial advice. So that right. is what Mark tried to explain. And then the four solution out of those four, three work, which we have to do for our body. So that is exactly what he told. When you are struggling with challenges of mind, you have to do something to your body. Because you don't, you already don't have control over your mind and it's easier to do something to your body than to your mind because you have lost control to it. So that's why those three or four things are there and out of those four, three are, are something you do to your body. So now my next question is that when we are going through all of these things and uh, when, even when someone is not going in today's day and age, one of the biggest challenges a lot of people face is loneliness. 
like yeah i read this uh, stat that 100 billion whatsapp messages are sent per day but 60 per- oh, 61% of the people feel lonely in general so it just made me think the same technology that brings us close to those people who are far away takes us far away from the people who are actually close to us and that's why we feel right. lonely so i really wanted to understand why like human beings are becoming more lonelier and especially the young teenagers i know a lot of uh, things happen because of technology but i really wanted to understand from you why we are becoming more lonely and how do we deal with it when we are surrounded with so much technology and everything yeah it's a great question you know and this this is something that i have you know struggled with really my, my entire life and even even before social media you know th- i still struggled with this yeah. um and so i think there's multiple levels that i could speak on what i would say is this i think i think the biggest thing is this so for me i felt lonely for my entire life even when i was literally around people and like i was trying to talk to them right like i wasn't on my phone or anything i still felt lonely and the reason why is because you're always going to feel lonely your entire life if you're not being who you really are. If you're not being your true self, your true authentic self, then people can't actually connect with you and you're always going to be lonely. And so that's the biggest thing that I would say of like there are people who they will literally be like surrounded by people they love the most and they will feel lonely the most. Okay. Yeah. And so there's different issues why this happens, but I think number one is like, you have to make sure that you are being yourself. You know, so often we hang out with maybe our parents or we hang out with, with this family mm-hmm. person. And then we, we sort of like expect them to, 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 uh, you know, for us to act in a certain way. And then all of a sudden we're not even ourselves anymore. Right. And people with social anxiety, they may struggle with this more, but I think we all struggle with this. Um, I would say number two is, so, you know, you're going to kill me, but going back to the neurotransmitters, there is literally a neurotransmitter for connecting with people. Okay. It's called oxytocin. okay? Okay. And so, you know, again, like, if you have issues with the the four things I mentioned with exercise, sleep, your diet, sunlight, uh, therapy, some way to manage your mind, you're going to have issues with connecting with people, even if you're surrounded by the most loving people. Okay. Now the third thing, and this is, I think what you mentioned in terms of phones, I don't necessarily think it has to do with phones or technology. Okay. I think it has to do with, um, So, for example, if you look at India, India is a more communal culture and society, okay? Um, Egypt, like where my parents are from, it's a more communal society. Mm -hmm. Most of the world in many countries, they're all communal societies because Mm -hmm. that's how humans evolved for thousands of years. Now, what's happening is the difference is that in countries like America, like if you if you ever go to New York City or if you ever come to Boston or any of these places, what you're going to notice is that like, let's say someone's taking the train or the subway, everybody walking is just looking down at their phone doing something. And I, I don't think the issue is the phone, but what that phone symbolizes, which is like 
hey, I'm going to focus on myself and I'm going to build my career and build my business and build my network and build my followers. And so what's happening is that there's this switch from community to individual. You need both, okay? But I think what's happened is that the amount of power that an individual can have and make money and become successful, that is very appealing, right? And you need to do that. You need to do that to a certain degree to make sure you take care of your family and and do the things that you want to do. And so I think what, what ends up happening is like, you're with your friends, right? Or you're with whatever. And then everybody's on their phone, not because, you know, they want to feel lonely, but because they just have the shit they want to do and hustle towards and they don't care about other people. Right. right? So like, for example, like, um, you know, I was talking about this with my girlfriend recently. Um, and I was telling her that like, in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 too, there's no way I could have had a girlfriend. There's no way. And the reason why was because I literally put my head down and literally just hustled for years mm-hmm. all of the time. I was my number one priority. And mm-hmm. so I think what happens is that we are sort of negotiating on this promise of like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice the present moment to go on my phone or to go on whatever to create a better future for myself and my family and my business and my career. And so I think that sheer rise of like productivity, which has never been able to be possible for in human history, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh wait, I can get mine. And then when you're doing that, you're just in your own head and you're, you know, you're individual, like you don't care about, oh, so what, you know, I'll care about those people when I'm rich and six, you know what I mean? And so I think those are the three biggest things that have to do with loneliness, if that makes sense. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Like that is one of the reasons that will, like you said, we focus a lot on it, uh, ourselves. That's when we uh, stop focusing on other people. And that is one of the reasons that like it is said, most entrepreneurs struggle with few issues because they are so focused in hustling and building businesses that they tend to face, start facing such challenges. So like next uh, thing that I wanted to understand is that you gave four solutions and one of it was have a good sleep, but that is also a biggest, uh, like one of the very big challenge today that people are not able to sleep properly. When they go to bed, their mind is running to hundred directions. That even after hustling, they are not even able to get peaceful sleep. So how, how can people work on that? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Great questions that you're asking me. I appreciate these. So it's funny because dude, I literally had sleeping issues my entire life. I literally remember ever since my whole social anxiety thing started when I was like eight, nine, 10, I literally don't remember sleeping for a day, like in my childhood. And then actually what would happen is when I did go to sleep, I would wet the bed. And this would literally happen when I was like 18. I would literally pee myself when I was asleep. And the reason why was because my fight or flight, my nervous system would trigger anxiety in the middle of the night because there were things in my past uh, traumatic things that I didn't resolve and didn't come to terms mm-hmm. with. And so, dude, lucky for you, man, I've, <laughs> I've struggled with this issue for over 10 years now. And so um, this is literally an entire part of my book. Um, and where I talk about this is called sleep like a baby. Okay. And, and I basically created 
like 13 different tools, steps that you can do because I know exactly like how, how, how much we struggle with this. Okay. And so similar to actually social anxiety in terms of how to deal with the problem in terms of our mind, it's the same way. So you cannot use your mind to shut off your mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what happens is I think sleep issues can be broken down into two parts. Okay. okay. So the first part is more um, psychological Mm-hmm. And then the second part has to do with your biochemistry mm-hmm. and how you control your mind and your brain. So the first one, psychologically speaking, this has to do with like, if you regret your life, like if you're like, man, I should have totally studied something different or like, man, I, I shouldn't have said that to that person or, you know, I, I shouldn't have you know, um, you know, I I don't know, hurt my best friend, or I shouldn't have, um, you know, you have regrets in life. That is going to cause you to not sleep, right? Because what's happening is your brain is trying to figure out where you're supposed to be. And if you're not where you're supposed to be, then your brain is going to force you to regret about it, right? So like, I remember for me, that was like, bro, you should have been, you should have been yourself, you should have spoken up, you shouldn't have said that thing, you should have said this, right? And that's because my brain was trying to get me to not be socially anxious. But what happens is that doesn't really work because all that happens is you just start thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and and thinking more. And then what happens is you don't go to sleep at night and then you wake up the next morning and then you're tired. Right. And then when you're tired, you know, and and they've, they've literally done studies in like the university of California that show if you're not sleeping, you are opening the door for social anxiety to come in. And so it's sort of like this, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's this, again, it's another toxic cycle. And that's what gets people stuck. It's these cycles where one thing connects to another thing and then it connects to another thing. And really, unless you have the conscious awareness and the knowledge and the tools, you're probably going to be stuck in the cycle for the rest of your life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's part one, the psychology. The second has to do with your biochemistry. Okay. And so this is where you have to use your body over than use your mind, right? Because what will happen is we get to distract ourselves throughout the entire day, right? You get to do this podcast interview, you know, and then after you go on your email, you try to hustle, you maybe watch a YouTube video, you eat food. I don't know. You go for a walk, you talk to your friends, right? So there's all kinds of like good and bad distractions, right? That we do throughout the day. Yeah. The only time where that ends is when you put your head down to go to sleep. Right. Right. And so what's going to happen is that if you have an overactive mind or if you've been mm-hmm. neglecting yourself, your mind is always going to come back at night and be like, boom, 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 boom. And, and um, they actually call this um, bedtime procrastination mm-hmm. where someone will, um, force themselves to not go to sleep. And it's actually because they haven't rested or they haven't taken enough breaks because they've been hustling all day. And Mm -hmm. so part of them feels like they need to relax and rest because if you don't relax and rest, like before your day, you're not going to want to go to sleep. And so here's how you do it. Okay. Here are the steps. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me pull on my book here just so we can, just so we can get these going. So, the, so number one, so this, so the, here's the thing. So if you do the four that I mentioned of getting sunlight, uh, exercising, eating healthy, 
that's going to do a huge thing already with sleep. Like that's probably, again, that's the main thing that will help you with your sleeping problems. Okay. But other than that, here's what I would say. Okay. You want to make sure that you don't eat any kind of sugar, but you want to eat for dinner time. You want to eat some kind of healthy carbohydrate. Okay. So these are things like, um, rice, potatoes, sweet potatoes. These are healthy carbohydrates. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's been shown that if you eat healthy carbohydrates at dinner, it'll help your body go to sleep easier and recover. Okay. However, what I would say is this, you don't want to eat or drink anything before mm -hmm. bedtime by like two or three hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. So two or three hours before you go to sleep, make sure you don't eat or drink anything. Okay. Number four is, and I kind of mentioned this, you want to make sure to exercise in the morning mm -hmm. or at least get sunlight. Okay. Our body works. It has this internal clock called the circadian rhythm. That mm -hmm. clock is automatically synced to the sun. So when the sun comes up, it sends a message to our body. And then when the sun goes down, it also sends a message to our body. And so mm -hmm. if you're inside all day, your body may be confused based on the biofeedback. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you spend a, a lot of your time outside because you want to make sure that you, those sun signals are getting to you. Of course, if it's not too hot or like you're, if you're not about to die. Um, number five is you want to participate in some sort of a body relaxation technique or mm. a breathing exercise. Okay. Mm. So th these are things like yoga. Yoga is great. Uh, doing stretching is great. Um, there's this app that I highly recommend. I'm not sponsored by them. I'm trying mm. to get sponsored by them though. It's called breath work. Okay. Um, I, I assume it's available in your location. It's called breath work. Mm -hmm. And basically there is a specific sleeping breathing technique where here I'll show you and I'll tell you to inhale. Okay. And then it'll tell you to pause your breath, hold your breath. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it will, at the end of the countdown, it will then tell you to breathe out into the, you know, out like the circle and then it'll repeat again. Okay. And, and like this sleep exercise was developed by a sleep doctor because this actually helps lower your blood pressure and lower your body's function to force your body to get ready for sleep. So that okay. one works like right away. Um, you want to make sure like you, you stay away from caffeine, coffee, uh, teas, like in the afternoon at night, because that has caffeine. Um, and there's, you know, there's all kinds of things. There's, um, like you can take this supplement, uh, it's called magnesium. Okay. magnesium it, it it's a it's a it's a supplement where there's there's no side effects you can't overdose on it it's natural magnesium take it um and there's a lot of other things but i'll tell you this one thing there's this technique it's called anchored sleep breathing okay now this technique when i first learned about it i was like dude this is so simple it can't be true there's no way this is gonna work but dude Doing this within two minutes will literally knock you out every time, even if you have been suffering from sleep your entire life. Okay. And so this is, this is the technique. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to anchor your inhale and your exhale when you breathe out to a sound. And what I mean by a sound is you want to pick a vowel sound. So like a, a, O, E. And basically what you want to do is you want to play that sound in your head. So mm -hmm. you don't say it out loud. Okay. And so let's say I'm going to anchor the 
Uh, sound when I inhale. Okay. So basically what this means is like, you're sitting in your bed and then when you inhale, you feel your breath. You're like, when you're inhaling like that in your head, you want to say like in your mind, don't say it out loud in your mind. You say, ah, uh, and what happens is when you exhale, when you breathe out, you play a different sounding vowel sound. Okay. So let's say you choose E. Okay. Mm. And so when you inhale, you know, and, and again, I'm going to say this out loud, but you don't say it out loud. Okay. okay. So you inhale, uh, right. And then you exhale. E. Okay. Mm. So that's, that's all you're doing. So you just do this in and out, in and out, in and out. Okay. So in your head, you're, you're, you're playing these sounds. So in my head, I just played, ah, uh, when I exhale, I'm playing E, right? And so that's all you do. And what you're going to notice is that when you start to do this, you are literally going to collapse into sleep and you're going to get so tired. Your mind is going to get so tired. You're going to tire out your mind that within a minute and a half, two minutes, you are literally just going to like, you know how you can start to feel yourself fall asleep? Like you're like, you start to think and then you go yeah, back. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. what's going to start to happen. Okay. But here's the thing. If you have never like meditated, if you've never trained your mind, once you reach that minute and a half, two minute where your mind is going to get weaker, what's going to happen is that all of a sudden your mind is going to turn back on and you're going to be like, oh wait, I need to stay up again. I need to stay awake. And so the power is to force yourself to do this, mm. right? It's to force yourself to anchor your breath and do this. And like, even if you feel like you're right about to fall asleep, keep doing it, 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 keep doing it. And the next thing you know, you're going to wake up the next day. And here's the thing. You're going to wake up the next day feeling refreshed because mm -hmm. here's the thing. I don't know if this is the same in India, mm -hmm. but in America, nobody falls asleep anymore. Everybody puts themselves to sleep. So what I'm talking about is like, whether it's alcohol or smoking weed mm -hmm. or taking a sleep prescription drug. Mm -hmm. And what those do is like those chemicals, listen, it's okay every once in a while, but what happens is when you do that again and again and again and again and again, you are actually weakening your brain's muscle to fall asleep because mm -hmm. you're forcing it to sleep. And the thing is, is that when you force yourself to sleep, your body doesn't do the right sleeping cycles at night. So what happens is you wake up tired. Okay. And so if you can do this anchored sleep breathing technique that I just showed you and you force yourself to do it and like, what's going to happen is like, you're going to do it. And then all of a sudden your mind is going to be like, wait, but then what about tomorrow? You have to prepare for this. No, no, you just shut it down. You shut it down. You just Keep breathing. Uh, eat, uh, mm. eat. And if you can literally, if that's the only thing that you can focus on when you're falling asleep, you will go to sleep guaranteed within two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. It's never taken me more than five minutes doing this. Never, never. It's like never happened. Okay. And I, I'm like, I was the biggest insomniac. I never fell asleep. And so that's it. And then another thing too is like there, there are, um, there's this thing called uh, white noise or binaural beats. I did this earlier on because this, this is helps with people who have anxiety and stress, but basically what you do is you could do this on your phone. You can get a speaker, you can get headphones. And basically you can play this thing called white noise 
Mm. And it's a certain sound at a certain frequency that helps calm down your brain waves. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And there's other things too that I can talk about, but I think those are a good place to start. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Like that would be the biggest takeaway for the listeners from this podcast. I feel because if we are able to fix our sleep, I feel most of our problem gets solved because as you also <laughs> yeah. said, like if, even if you don't have social anxiety because of biological reasons, you develop it if you don't have a proper sleep cycle and everything. So if we are able to work on that, because I myself have struggled with uh, sleeping because I don't regret the past, but I am, I become super ambitious and I continue thinking I have to do this, I have to do that and all of that. So like i feel this will be the biggest takeaway for everyone and everyone should try it what you have said and it is going to definitely uh help them now it's the huge, next man yeah yeah thank you for sharing it uh, with us and uh, for going deeper into these things i will definitely recommend my listeners to like go and check out your book screw being shy it's a great book and you can like go deeper into all subjects now the next question i wanted to ask is like when we are going through any of these challenges, since I had already argued that we have become a little more lonelier than our previous generation. I also read a study that uh, like the number of friends that a young teenager has is getting reduced. So it's, it's pretty obvious why it is happening. So in times like this, when people are going through such challenges, how can anyone seek help? Because at that time, people are at a very vulnerable state and it's pretty difficult for people to reach out to anyone. So how do you build that, build that thing where you can throw yourself and ask help? Because I feel it's pretty important. Yeah, um, it's a good question, man. It's a good question. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I ended up writing my book is because, um, you know, I ended up writing my book not because like I, I'm trying to like, you know, market myself or like yeah, be successful yeah, yeah. or any of those things. The biggest reason why I wrote my book is because I ended up reading this, uh, this clinical meta analysis study that was done by Harvard university. And basically what they showed was that at least in America, um, I believe like social anxiety is like the, th the third most common mental health issue. And yet out of all of the other mental health issues, social anxiety is the most correlated with substance abuse, social isolation and suicide. And I started to think about my story when I was 18 and I was suicidal and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, I didn't really ask for help. I mean, maybe there was a few moments where I did ask for help. But I was able to come out of it. And, and, and realizing that, what I realized is that I truly got lucky. Like mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of like statistics, I happened to just ha be really lucky and, and like still be alive, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of the reason why I wrote my book was because I wanted to make this book so that if anybody is literally in that spot right now mm -hmm. and they can't talk to people, Mm -hmm. Then to literally like this book will show you all the things that you can do by yourself. Because okay. like, listen, I wish I could tell people like, Hey, go make friends, go talk to people. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, especially with people with social anxiety, that's just not the case. And the reality is on top of that as well, 
is like, listen, let's be real. You know, I don't, you know, I know that I know India has certain, um, I have my own different beliefs about uh, India in regards to this, but like, there's a lot of people who don't believe mental health is real. In America, that started to go away. I know in, I know in India, it's even more. I was reading like this whole yeah. article on yeah. how India has some of the worst mental health issues in the entire yeah. country. And yeah. yet it also has the biggest stigma around mental health. Right. So I'm saying that because like, dude, there's a lot of people out there who are literally suicidal and mm. then they go tell their family about it, but they don't actually say like, Hey, I'm going to kill myself. They say like, I've been feeling really down. I can't get up. Right. And then they just tell them like, Oh, just suck it up. Or like, Oh, back in my day. And it's just like that is little, unfortunately that makes people worse. Okay. And so I'm just saying that because that would be my advice. Like if you have social mm-hmm. anxiety and you are really in a, in a down place like that, I mean, what I would say is reach out to me. I mean, I, I, I can try my best to respond to your message. I always try to. Um, but what I would say is like you, whether it's this book or some other book, I'm not trying to pl- promote my book, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you need to find some sort of a, a guide. You need to find mm-hmm. some sort of a, it can even be an online mentor. It could be an mm-hmm. online coach. And mm-hmm. because a lot of times like that is easier than in real life telling right. a friend, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I was grateful that I had like different online mentors and I, you know, I remember I listened to like Tim Ferriss's podcast and that was a huge help for me. Um, and so I think the most important thing is that you need to do the things that only you can do by yourself and you need to get help in some way, whether that's online, whether that's a book, whether that's talking to someone, whether that's talking to your best friend, do it. But then also keep in mind that their reaction may not be what be what you're looking for. And so make sure you're very important. You, you, you make sure that you're very aware of how you communicate. Makes you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So basically if you are not able to reach out to people, it's completely fine. If you are afraid of being judged on anything, seek out mentors online. If you can connect, like you have phone, you have laptop, you have connectivity of internet. You can reach out to people on internet. It's pretty easier to reach out there or you can start listening something online, reviving yeah. and reading books. Like you said, it can actually give you a yeah. advice. Yeah. And can I say one more thing too? So I remember like when I was, when I was suicidal when I was 18, one of the things that I would do is I would go for like these walks. Okay. And, um, what I would do was because like, what I realized is like when I would sit down in my apartment or in my dorm room and I would try to read a book or I would try to watch like a, a video, my mind would be so anxious and not able to focus that I couldn't even learn. And so what I started to do was I literally would, I would literally would find these like four hour long inspirational tracks about like rewiring your mind and your mindset. And what I would do is I would, every single day, I would literally just go outside for four hours and take a huge walk and then literally just listen to these things the entire time. And I did that for like a year or six months. And like, when you do that, then when you sit down, you have like other thoughts in your head that aren't just you. Now you have all access to all these positive thoughts that you didn't even know that you could think, right? And here's the thing, like you should borrow other people's thoughts. That's one of the biggest things. Like when you read a book, what you're actually doing 
is you're downloading my mind software. You're reading, you know, just like a, just like a computer program. There's a script, there's lines of code. It's the same exact thing with a book. Right. And so whether it's a book, a podcast, like you have to shove this stuff in your brain, especially if you're in an environment where the people around you are not that supportive. Yeah. So it's very important. That's a great piece of advice. Actually, like a lot of people think that motivational stuff uh, or positive stuff listening does not work. It's a waste of time. But I personally feel at as cliche as it sounds, but it actually helps to rewire your thought process when you are trapped in a pretty bad space. It, it actually helps you show the possibilities, gives you hope that there is something that you can do in the world. So that yeah. actually helps. Yeah, the only trap with that is that you don't want to become the self-help addict. There's yeah. a kind of, and it's, it's actually a book uh, written by this guy and it's called The Self-Help Addict where there's certain mm-hmm. people where they read books like every day, they're mm-hmm. always learning, but they haven't applied anything and they're just right. like reading, learning. So that's the only issue with motivation. You know, as long as right. you're doing something every day, I totally agree with you. I think I think listening to those is better than like doing drugs or being depressed. Yeah. So, right, you right. know. There has to be a balance. Like if you are like in a very bad space, very, you are in a very challenging space, then that's a great solution. But if you are fine and you are just escaping those things to not execute on things, then it's (laughs) not a good choice. So there has to be a balance. Now, next biggest question, like this is the challenge that I also been facing that in a part in, in this fast paced world where things are moving at a speed, speed, uh, speed that we are not able to capture or understand. How do we prioritize physical and mental health? Because it happen, happens with everyone. We get so much involved in the hustle, especially at a young age, that you have so many things to do. You have so much energy and everything that you often take your mental and physical health for granted. So yeah, how do you real. get importance and how do you focus on this? those things and what you should do. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have this theory and it's basically like, you know, as human beings, we, we start off in the world, right. And we, um, we're running, we're running towards our goals, right? Like every day we're running, right. And we're just like in the middle of life. Right. And we're running, we're running, we're running, we're running, we're running. And then, you know, depending on who we are, depending on our age, all of a sudden, something breaks, <laughs> you know, like imagine like you're, you're on a road trip with your friends, you're driving, the music is blasting, everyone's having a good time. But then all of a sudden the car breaks down, it's smoking. You guys are all freaking out, screaming. You don't know what to do. You're stuck in the middle of the woods. Right. And so that's what I think life is very much like, especially with your mental health, because as a kid, your body is trying to help you. Right. So like as a kid, when you eat, um, when you eat like sugary snacks and you eat this junk food, a lot of people will tell you like, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat when you're young. Uh, and then later when you're older, then you can focus on your health. What I would say this, it's all about prevention, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, like I personally have never had cancer, God forbid, right? However, in America, one half of the people in America have some kind of cancer, Okay. How does that happen? It's a, you know, it's a complicated, but it's, it's basically from our food 
um, and how our body ha- stores its immune system and how it rests, because really our immune system has to do with cancer, right? And so, for example, and then and then for example, um, you ever heard of Alzheimer's dementia? It's a it's a it's a brain disease where someone starts to forget who they are, and and their family's names. Okay, mm-hmm. and it, and this disease specifically is actually skyrocketing. Okay. And for example, they've actually done studies and they've shown that your early lifestyle choices in your 20s create the foundation for your brain structure for the rest of your life. Mm. Okay. And so a lot of the times we think like, oh, I'm 20, I'm 21, I'm 22. Let me just like go chug a bunch of alcohol and get shit faced with my friends every weekend. Well, it's like heavy binge drinking just literally destroys your brain. Mm. Um, other things that destroy your brain, um, excessive pornography. This mm. is, a, I think, a big one. A lot of a lot of people, especially guys, don't know this. Mm. Online pornography is probably the number one, number two, number three addiction in the entire world that mm. destroys your brain. Um, number three, um, your again, your food, your diet, your sleep. Um, making sure that you have friends, like all all these different things. And so the whole gist of my message is it's all about prevention. And so if you are living your life and you're just like not thinking about consequences and you're just like doing random things, you're probably going to have terrible mental health. It may not, you know, and you don't know, it may, it may come to you next year. It may come to you the, the year after you may be fine for 10 years, but then all of a sudden you're going to be 30, you're going to be 35. And then something is going to snap in your brain. And it's like literally the same way as like breaking a bone. Okay. And the issue is, is that it's not as easy. It's not as easy to, you know, fix a broken leg than it is to fix a broken brain. And so the whole message here is do these things before you actually need them. Okay. And what you're going to realize is that in the entrepreneurs and in the hustlers and the people who are successful and they do these things before they reach mental health issues or even after mm-hmm. what you're going to start to realize is that your brain and your mind is actually going to work so much better that you're going to actually be able to accomplish what takes most people like two weeks. You can do that in two hours because your brain and your mind and your anxiety are all running smoothly. And so that's what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of these things with mental health, whether it's eating, changing your diet um, or going to sleep or meditation, these things are not necessarily about, you know, you know, preventing long-term mental health issues, although that's a big part of it, but they're also going to help you function better. They're going to help your brain work better. They're going to help you be more happy. You know, I think one of the big things for me was that like, I remember being 18 and like having all this money and success, but not being able to feel it. And that's because I wasn't taking care of my mind or my brain. Right. But then now I am. And like, literally I can get so happy over like the most random thing, like, just like I was when I was a little kid, but then all of a sudden, you know, I hop on a meeting with some entrepreneur who's like 35 and he's like, Oh, I got, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And I'm freaking out. And, all this. and then I'm just like, you know, like, like I've been, I've been working on these things 
for the last five, six years. And so mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm seeing compound, I'm seeing exponential results, mm-hmm. right? And then I know I'm 23 now. And then I know by the time I'm 30, yo, I'm going to be like a legend, you know? And so as long as I keep doing these things, as long as I keep doing these things and I make sure my brain, my mind is good and I'm preventative, then I'm, I'm not going to get, you know, cancer. My brain isn't going to break. I'm going to be able to use it. I'm going to be able to not get burnt out or stressed. And so you do all these things to prevent it. And if you can do that, you're going to save a, a whole, like you're going to save yourself so much pain. Mm. And, and like, I say this a lot, but like your future self is going to thank you. Mm. Like, I think back to, to like my past, like when I was about to start my podcast, when I was a, about to start meditating, I was like, oh, is this going to work? What I know now is that like now, which is like my future self compared to, I thank that Mark every day, because if I didn't do those things and then like, let's say something, God forbid, um, like, uh, like COVID quarantine happened, dude, I don't know where I would be right now. So thank God, because here's the thing there's going to be more issues in life. There's going to be more troubles. It never ends. And so you want to make sure that you can make sure that you're good mm-hmm. all of the time by doing these habits daily, even if you don't have any problems. Like even if you don't even mm-hmm. have anxiety or stress, you do these things, you're going to be like a thousand times more productive. You're going to be a thousand mm-hmm. times happier. You're going to be able to actually feel your success and mm-hmm. not just be numb and ungrateful all the time. And so that would be my message. Great advice, Mark. So like one perspective, uh, just what you have said could be that at present, it feels like you are taking out time from your hustle, from your work. But actually, when you focus on long-term building these small habits, they are actually going to save a lot of time in the future and prevent you from all the things. So that is exactly yeah. what we were trying to explain. And dude, it, it, it'll, it'll literally make your brain work better. So like a lot of times I think about it, like I'm in the morning, I'm like, uh, do I really want to meditate? I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. So then I can become successful and I can achieve. Right. But then what happens is if you just play that out mm. and you're like, okay, let's say I, I become more successful than I could ever imagine. Mm. And whatever I have, I have the money, I have a successful mm. podcast. Then what? You're still stuck with the same mind. Right. And so a lot of the times, like we think like, oh, once we reach this, this will make us happy and successful. When in reality, that's not how life works. The things that are going to make you happy and successful are the things that you do today. Because here's the thing, even if you have $5 billion in your bank account, you're still going to have the same brain. You're still going to have the same mind. You're still going to have, you know, those meditations or those things that you didn't do. And if you can do those, your brain is going to work better that you're literally going to be able to accomplish what you want easier and faster than everybody else who isn't meditating, who's just like staying up all night and trying to hustle and, and do whatever um, versus the people who are balancing both of those where they're managing their mind because they realize that's where the real work is. It doesn't matter if you have the money, if you literally don't have your brain. And then it's also putting yourself and learning how to use your mind and how your brain learns to then put yourself in a flow state in the present moment to then do as much work and to communicate and to be better. And if you can do that, 
you're just going to see a better version of yourself. You're going to see a version of yourself that you literally didn't know existed. And that's because that person has yet to be unlocked because all these things that we do every day is actually stopping us. Um, It's the sugar staying up all night, the pornography, the, the, you know, not having friends, all these things are stopping you from unlocking your true self. And so looking at it from that perspective and, and also having the perspective of like, I'm going to do these things my entire life. Like, I'm not just going to eat healthy for a day Mm. or for the week. I'm going to do this for my entire life. That's also really important to keep in mind because Mm. that will change your definition of what it means to be successful. That's a great advice. And one of the ways to look at these things could be the way you look at bathing, the way you look at brushing your teeth as you exactly. have to do it. You exactly. have to do it the rest exactly. of your life. So we can think about these things in the same way that these are the things that we have to do. These are not something that we can choose to do. They are, these are something that we must do. So that can actually... Right, totally. totally. But then at the same time, though, nobody has to do anything. Right. It's so like at the end of the day, like people who are listening to this and they don't meditate or eat healthy, like my life isn't going to be impacted. Only your life is going to be impacted. Right. So <laughs> it's important that we know that because, um, you know, I think motivation and discipline and, and like learning how to negotiate with yourself to do certain things is important. Right. So like you need to find the motivation for doing specific things. Right. So for example, like for me, I was like, I didn't, I wasn't, I was never interested in your diet or nutrition mm-hmm. or food because I didn't really care much about my body. I didn't, I, I wasn't an athlete. I didn't really care about my looks, but then all of a sudden when I understood this whole thing that I just told you at the beginning about amino acids mm-hmm. and like, literally if you eat well, you can reprogram your brain and you can increase your mental performance. I was like, Oh my God. And then that motivated me to do it. I was never motivated to do meditation because meditation back then was marketed as like, Oh, calm yourself down, relax. I think meditation rewires your brain. It rewires your emotional connections. It, it helps, it forces your brain to be in the present moment and to easily get into a state of flow, which Mm -hmm. then helps you be more productive. That for me is motivating for meditation, right? So you need, you need to find you know, your own motivation. Right. And so that could be different than the ones that I said, but like, no matter what it is, you have to find it because again, like, yo, your future self is just waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's really it at the end of the day. Yes. Great message. So like, uh, one of the last thing is that if anyone is interested to learn more about these things on a psychological level, so can you recommend some books or sources? Uh, like you said, once you started reading your mind opened up, so can you recommend some books and sources that people can dig deeper? Yeah. So let's see. So like obviously, books is like obviously, obviously your book. Yeah. Screw being shy. Um, I would say if, if, uh, if, if, uh, if you, you're just into listening, I also have a podcast called, um, social anxiety society, where I literally do this in like 10, 15 minute episodes and every week's a different one. I just do it. Um, some other books though, if you're interested, um, there's this book, it's called the end of mental illness by Dr. Daniel Amen. That's a great one. Um, what else? Um, you know, it really just depends what you're interested in, you know, because I've literally read over a thousand books now 
that there's a book for everyone, you know? So it just depends like what, what, what angle, what, what do you want to get better at? Or what's your personality? You know? So for example, like if you, if you need to like toughen up your brain, like emotionally speaking, there's a book called can't hurt me by David Goggins. It's a, it's a crazy book. Um, there, let's see, there's another book. If you want to learn more about food, the whole nutrition aspect, there's this book, it's called Eat to Beat Depression and Anxiety by Dr. Drew Ramsey. I highly recommend it. I actually talked to him a few weeks ago. Um, let's see. And there's different books. You know, if there's yeah. if you if, if you struggle with sleep, there's a book called Why We Sleep. Um, you know, there, there's different books, you know, so. You covered a lot of things, <laughs> one regarding diet, one regarding sleep, one regarding mental toughness. So like that's sufficient. So that was a great episode. Now I want to just end this episode with one last piece of advice from you, like last message that you want to give to the listeners. Yeah. So here's what I would say. We are living in a time in human history where I truly believe that we can change the world we have an opportunity that nobody in human history has ever had before to change our world, to change our country, to change our city, to change our families, generational line, to change our ancestry. We are living in a time where we can do things that we have never been possible able to do. And, you know, again, listen, like, you know, I I don't know where people are, are living, where you live, right? But we have to realize that like, if you have a phone, if you kind of technology, there's nothing that's stopping you anymore except from yourself. And the reason why that you're stopping yourself is because the world tried to stop you before. Your parents, your culture, your religion, your college, your group of friends, they got their dreams shut down. And so they try to shut down your dreams And then in turn, as humans, we are growing up as kids and we internalize that in our brains and then we become adults and then we stop ourselves every day. If you can get past that, then you can become one of the very few rare people that is going to be mentioned in history books that ended up changing the lives of potentially millions of people at the end of your life. So again, that may not be everybody's motivation. That definitely was not my motivation when I was starting off. But like now, you know, be me being on this insane journey, me meeting like literally thousands of the world's most successful people in front of my eyes, me seeing like the the craziest levels of success and money and riches and fame. And it's like, dude, there's there's so much money out there in the world. There are so many billions of dollars of capital that honestly, people don't know how to use it. And a lot of the times we think like, oh, I can't do that because I don't have money or, oh, I can't do that because of this. If you can change that from, oh, I don't have this, but who can I talk to that can help me learn more about that? Everything in your life will change. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't talk to people. You have social anxiety. Okay. How can I learn to talk to people? How can I learn to make myself less socially anxious? I have no money. I'm broke. My family has this problem. 
How can I learn to make money? How can I learn to not be broke? If you can look at the world and life that way, the world is going to open up to you every step of the way. And it's just really important that you don't let yourself and other people hold you back because you need to realize that they're probably not even doing it on purpose. They're probably doing it because again, they got shut down in the past. And then I also, I'm also a big believer in like human history. So for example, like my mom that gave birth to me, which is where my brain came from, her mom gave birth to her, her mom gave birth to her. Okay. Well, if you're talking about my grandma and even my mom, like in the Middle East and Egypt, this is a time before they eat like women even had human rights. Right. So then, then you go back to my great grandma. Okay. People didn't even have rights. They're, they were literally slaves. Mm. Okay. Well then back then, Oh, guess what? Everybody was at war. Oh, if you were a young man, Oh, you were forced by your government to put you in the military to then go overseas and then shoot random people that are wearing different colored uniforms. So I believe that a lot of these thoughts, a lot of these negative thoughts of like, oh, don't chase your dreams. I believe a lot of it comes from that. I believe a lot of it comes from we are, we are, the, we are the, the kids, the offspring of all of our previous ancestors throughout human history. And the reality is, man, is that human history is very brutal. It's very bloody. If you look it up, it's very, it's, it's crazy. Like it, you only look at human history. You're like, like, I understand there's a lot of problems in the world now, but when you look at human history, it's like, Oh my God, like, like we weren't even human back then. Mm. And so when you understand that, and then you juxtapose that to your grandma, your mom, all these different things, the people around you, you start to realize like, wow, a lot of people are actually the general, they come from the generations of slaves and people who were poor and people who were forced to do things. And when you realize that, and, and like, that's where your brain is based off of, mm. you start to understand that, like, maybe the way that I think about myself isn't really the right way. Maybe the way that I should think about myself is more or less like looking at myself like a jungle of like, we have like this body, this hardware that is our biology that isn't even run by us. That's run by trillions of cells and our neurotransmitters. And then we have like these beliefs about our spirituality and about our soul that we don't even have that are. And so you start to like break down life and you start to look at it in a different way. And you start to look at it from the next time, you know, one of your friends or someone hates you or says, oh, you shouldn't do that you can kind of like psychoanalyze that. And you can be like, that person is probably a good person, but they've just been brainwashed into thinking a certain way, the same way that I, that I was, you know? And so I don't know if any of that made sense. I know I just kind of went on a, a tangent there, but I, I hope that makes sense to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, like it was a great conversation because I actually believe it's super important for us to understand the way we think the way our mind works and everything around that. Because once we do that, we start taking things very differently. We start thinking very differently. So it was a very thoughtful, very deep conversation. And the things that you have told were super insightful. I'm very much interested personally in understanding psychology and mind and everything. So it was a super so crazy conversation. 
So yeah. with that being said, our interview has like come to an end, and I uh, really thank you, Mark, for coming on the show and uh, giving all that like advice and great nuggets. This is your first podcast. Yeah, dude, you crushed it, dude. You're, dude, I, dude, I, I've been interviewed over like 200, 250 times on podcasts. This is easily like top, top 20 podcasts I've ever been on, man. So dude, you're a natural, dude. You're going to crush this. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. That gives a lot of boost as well. And for all the listeners that who want, who have got super inspired, who have got pumped and who want to like, connect with Mark, I will put all the links of his book, of his social media, of his podcast, in the description you can check it out and if you are facing any issues like and you you can reach out to him he's very very nice guy super accessible so i try my best sometimes it's hard yeah it's hard but uh, you can definitely connect and see uh, the kind of content he posts on linkedin and social media it's super inspiring and crazy thank you so much for listening so far and spending your valuable time I really want you to get involved in this conversation, in this dialogue as we think out loud together about our minds, our potential and possibilities of different things in this world. You can reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram or LinkedIn for anything that you want to get answered in the upcoming episode. And please feel free to post about your takeaways from this podcast on social media and tag me along. Looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Till then, keep finding answers.